0: Makes a makes a beautiful song, doesn't it? <clears throat> the question is, Is would we really rather have Jesus than anything? It's easy to say. It's kind of like what we were talking about just a minute ago, isn't it, down there? Yeah. She says, we, we know we're supposed to do all those things. <laughs> but knowing we're supposed to and actually getting her done... Sometimes it's two different things. Two different things. Well, uh, it's a pleasure to be here in God's house with you this morning. Uh, I'm glad that you're here. I I, uh, shared with you a little bit earlier about how I had spent time getting my message together for this Sunday morning. And then after I got it done, then I turned my attention to Sunday school and I found out that uh, God uh, had lined up my Sunday morning message again. Uh, I've seen Him do that so many times. Uh, almost identically with the Sunday school lesson before I had uh, prepared it. We we taught out of Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11 this morning about the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. And how Satan came against Him and tempted Him, taking Him up on the temple and making him, you know, after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he had, it says afterwards he was a hundred, I guess so, amen, if you haven't eaten in 40 days or 40 nights, and then Satan shows up, the devil shows up, and tempts him uh, when he's at one of his weakest points, and of course we realize that even though he was at one of his weakest points physically, he was at one of his stronger points Spiritually, because that is what fasting is all about. Some people say, well, listen, I mean, he's God. Did he have a moment in his life when he was more spiritual than he was at other times? Remember that even though he was God, he never laid aside his deity, uh, but he did lay aside uh, the powers of his deity, and he lived his life as a man here in this world. And that's why when the devil came against him and tempted him, it was a real temptation because he was, he was living his life in the flesh as a human being by the power of God living on the inside of him. But we have that too. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. And certainly we should take the whole armor of God unto ourselves that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil because he is wily. Uh, he is very smart. He knows your weaknesses better than you know them yourself. So what we're going to be talking about is the little g-god of this world. The little g-god. Now when you use the little lowercase letter in the word God, what you do is reduce it from deity to authority. He's just an authority. He has been given a amount of power in this world. You can look at the President of the United States and he is a little g-god. He is a man with much authority in this world. But when you're looking at Satan or the devil and you use that terminology for him, he has more power over this world than any other human being or any human being on the face of the planet. He has more authority and more power given to him by God than any man on this earth has been given by any government. He's powerful. He's real. And he wants to destroy... You and your home and your family. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy this church. If He can come against this church and have it not come together next week or next month or next year to where we come together and worship the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then go out into the world and be a a witness and a testimony to the people that are friends in our lives and in our concentric circle of influence, then certainly... That is one of his goals, that's one of his desires, is to stop Christianity in its tracks. And, and we see um, by what's going on in, in America today that it is possible for a once mighty Christian nation to be reduced to a godless society. And we are we are seeing that in America, we are living in a, in a godless society. System, a godless society. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Second Corinthians chapter four. We're just going to be looking at the uh, first seven verses there. We'll also be looking at First Corinthians chapter two in just one verse later on, uh, verse fourteen. But I, in Second Corinthians chapter four and verse one through seven, it reads like this: Therefore, seeing we have this ministry. As we have received mercy, we faint not. Now, I want you to realize that you have a ministry. If you are a Christian, you have a ministry. God has called you to be a minister, into the ministry. You may not be a pastor, you may not be a deacon, you may not be a Sunday school teacher, or a a piano player, or a song leader, you may not be a chaplain over a prison. But if you are a Christian, God has a purpose and a plan and a will for your life. He has a ministry for you to reach out into this lost and dying world, into your home, into your family, into your loved ones' lives and have an impact in their heart, in their life, in their mind, in their home, in their family for the cause of Christ, for the cause of God. Now, I want you to know something. You are going to be an impact in people's lives one way or the other. It is going to be either positive or negative. And by positive, I mean positive for the cause of Christ, for the cause of Christianity, for the purpose and the plan and the will of God. Or it's going to be negative in those things and it will be positive for the things of the flesh, the things of the world, the things of this life, and will be negative for the things of God. But you take a look at... Uh, verse 1, and it reads like this, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Let me ask you something: Does everybody in America have access to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Nod your head up and down, looking intelligent. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Every human being in America has the opportunity, the ability to have a Bible and to have the Word of God. People will give them away freely. All you have to do is dial the right number. Everybody. Well, then, how in the world is the gospel hid here in America? Well, it's hid if you'll look at the next verse. But if our gospel will at verse verse three. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. So we're not talking about physically hid. We're talking about mentally, spiritually, emotionally. It is hid to where people can pick up the word of God, turn to. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when they read that, what they read is what, 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 They read, they understand the black ink on white paper. It's kind of like Charlie Brown's teacher. They understand the black ink on white paper. They can understand English. But they do not get the spiritual Meaning and understanding of it. They can't grasp it. They can't receive it. That, that is what the other verse in 1 Corinthians 2.14 says. It says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. Now I want you to understand the difference between can and may. May has to do with permission. Can has to do with power and ability. So if it says that the natural man, the lost man, remember what it said in chapter 4 and verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Lost. The natural man is the lost man. The natural man is the man separated from God. The natural man is the man apart from the Holy Spirit of God, living on the inside of him. And 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he he has no power or ability. Oh, he has the permission. He may. Does God say to the whole world, repent, receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? Come, come to me, all that you that are laden and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Certainly, there is a commandment of God that goes out to the lost world as well as to the saved world. But God gives commandments to men who are incapable of accomplishing the commandment that was given them. They're spiritually dead. They're separated from God. And that's why it says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he, for they are foolishness unto them. Neither can they he know them, because they are spiritual. Spiritually discerned. And they have no spiritual life. They have no understanding of the things of God. So if you go on in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And read verse 4. It tells you why the gospel is hid. It is hid to them that are lost. And in verse 4 it says. In whom the God of this world. There is that little g God. "...of this world, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ. We preach Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commandeth the light to shine out of the darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, and we have it in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. See, I'm telling you, if God turns your light on, if God illuminates your mind, if God regenerates your soul and draws him to yourself, is the only hope for a person who is blinded by Satan. Now, I want you to take a, a look at a few things here. We're going to look at Satan's personality, his position, his purpose, his manner. But before that, there's some things that I just want to mention. That uh, when when we're talking about the devil, we've got to realize that the God of this world, when He blinds the minds of them which believe not, where does that take place? Is the devil, or let's say Satan is a little bit too big a you know, powerful angel that was kicked out of heaven, to come to Lake St. John Community Baptist Church personally, himself, and flutter around in here, go from person to person, blinding their minds, hiding the gospel? But he has a lot of fallen angels that got kicked out of heaven with him. And there, this room, I believe, is full of them. There's, there may be more of them in here than there are of us. There's only about 30 or so of us in here. There, there's no telling how many fallen angels are in here. Uh, are they fluttering around, going from heart to heart, mind to mind, blinding the eyes, blinding the ears? Not of those who are saved, but those, remember what it said, that... If our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world flutters around and blinds their eyes and stops their ears and keeps them from being able to receive or understand the Word of God. The natural man receiveth not the things of, of the Spirit, neither can he, for they are spiritual and he is carnal. See, what I'm saying is when you put those two verses together, you find out that Satan is not actively blinding minds of the lost. How do you blind a mind that is already blind? You you remember in the Old Testament when the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart? And then in the verse before, you read that Pharaoh hardened his heart towards God. And then you ask yourself the question, well, which was it? Was it that Pharaoh hardened his heart or that God hardened Pharaoh's heart? And is it possible for God to harden a hard heart? Is it possible for Satan to blind a blinded mind? In other words, when Satan was in the garden with Adam and Eve, and Satan asked Eve, she said, he said, why aren't you eating this fruit? It's good. Well, God said, we shouldn't eat it, neither should we touch it, lest we die. And Satan laughed. He says, oh, girl, you don't understand. You see, God knows that the day in the day that you eat of this fruit, you won't be blinded. You'll, you'll see better than you've ever seen before. You won't die. You'll be more alive than you've ever been. You won't fall down. You'll fall up. You can be your own God. And God knows that God is holding out on you. It's amazing how that Satan can reach into a heart and cause a mind to believe the lie of the devil when we know the truth of God. We know it. And we choose because of selfish purpose. Oh, I can be my own God. I, I, don't, I don't have to be answerable to anybody else. And in the moment that she believed the lie of the devil rather than the truth of God, and she did eat and turn around and gave it to Adam, and Adam ate, it says, in the moment that they ate of it, they died. In the day that ye thereof, you'll surely die. And that came to pass. They died spiritually. They were separated from God. That is spiritual death. Physical death is separation of the inside of me looking out through the eyeballs. Separation from the outside of me. Death is separation. Disobedience, sin causes separation between man and God. And when Adam ate and he died, was separated from God, all of us died. We were separated from God. Now let me ask you something. How dead is dead? How blind is blind? If we are dead and we are blinded to the truths and the things of God, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, neither can he, for they are spiritual and he is sold under sin. He is carnal. He is lost. He is dead. He is separated from God. How much does Satan have to do to blind a blind man? He doesn't. See, Satan blinded us in the garden. The lost people I'm talking about. Lost man was blinded in the garden. And now he comes in and he flutters around and he'll, he'll really focus more on saved people. During the message. Why? Because if He can distract you. And keep you from hearing the preaching of the Word of God. You won't get up and go out the back door. And start living the life. That God has called us to live. The lost people get up. They go out the back door. If they don't come down and receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they go out the back door. And continue in their life of darkness. And damnation. And death. And separation from God. But we who are saved comes and he whispers things in our ears and he talks to us and he leads us and guides us and directs us even while we're sitting on a church pew. To Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Don't don't listen to the guy up behind the pulpit. Now, there are other things more important than what it is that he's talking about. Besides that, you already know everything he has to say anyway. You've been in church all your life. You've heard this stuff a thousand times before. It hasn't changed your life before now. What makes you think it would change it if you listen today. Again, that's the same things that we were talking about in the aisle just a minute ago. Being hearers of the Word of God and not doers. And one of the reasons James says that we should be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. And I asked the question, I said, what does that mean to deceive yourself? Is it... That, well, I'm really a Christian, but I'm deceived into not thinking that God's really serious about this and that I don't really have to do everything that the Bible says. Hey, I'm going to heaven anyway. Or, Or does it mean that we deceive ourselves into really actually thinking that we are saved when we're doomed, damned, and lost and separated from Christ and we don't have a desire to do the things that He wants us to do? And that's really why we don't do them because we have no desire. We're separated from God. Well, I want you to notice that in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, by the way, it, it talks about, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness. That's where the real battle is going on. It's in the air around us that we don't see and we don't comprehend. We don't think about. Why? We don't want to think about it. We've already got enough demons in Congress and in Washington, D.C. to keep our minds focused on, you know, the wicked things that are going on in the world. We don't, we don't need to really know about the actual spiritual realm around us, do we? Well, yes, we, we do. We need to be more aware of this than we are of that. Because this is the reality that's going to last for eternity. What you're experiencing in this world, in America, in the government, all of the things that are happening in this life that we're living right now, it's not going to be long before it's just a vague memory in the rearview mirror. And what happens around us in the spiritual realm, that is the only realm that there will be then. But first of all, I want you to look at his personality, and by personality, and that that means that he is a real person. A lot of people really believe that Satan is just you know some fig Newton of your imagination. That he's he's this uh, uh, cartoon that people draw. He's a man runs around in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork. That is the farthest thing from the truth about who Satan really, really is. He's not a phantom. He's mighty. He's powerful. He is a reality. He is so powerful. The Bible says in Jude, there's only one chapter in Jude, so when I say Jude 9, I'm talking about the verse. But it says in Jude 9 that uh, He is so powerful that even Michael the archangel dares not bring a railing accusation against Him. You know I've been guilty of that? Mm, mm, mm. I made a mistake. Uh, I, I know... I made a bad mistake because I drew Satan's attention to me by saying things about him that I have no business saying. Amen. I found out that it is better for me to keep my eyes on Jesus and to not even think about the devil unless I'm preaching from behind the pulpit about him. I think we should know our enemy. But I would never rebuke the devil. You never speak to him. You never think about him. You always keep your eyes the moment that you think about him or start talking to him, that's the moment that you take your eyes off of Christ and put on him. And when you do that, it's like in opening the door and inviting a vampire into your house. If there were such a thing. You don't want to attract the attention of the devil. I said one time that and I've said it a lot. That the devil's just a dog on a leash and of course God, Jesus Christ, has the other end of the leash. He's on a choke chain and he can't do anything that God... It's true. It is the truth. But boy, when you say stuff like that, it's kind of like Michael daring not to bring a railing accusation against the devil. Just because it may be true, you might not want to say it. I remember Jurassic Park saying, just because you can don't mean you should. Certainly that's true in the realm of Satan. We should let him alone because he is a real, he is a mighty, he is a powerful angel. He is more powerful than all of the other angels in heaven. And God kicked him and a third of the host of heaven out with him. So I realized that he's no match for God, but I'm no match for him. Not only his personality, but his position. He is the little G God, which is the title of my message. He is the little G God or the authority of this earth, of this world, of this age, of this span of time that we have here in this life. God has given him that position of authority. Now I want you to realize something. Then when you say Satan is the little g-god of this world and that he's in control of everything that's going on on this earth, you've got to verify that or justify that by bringing the true and living God into the picture and realize that Satan cannot do anything that God doesn't allow him to do. But oh my friend, what leeway he has given Satan in this world. He has a lot of freedom. He has a lot of power and he has a lot of ability God allows him that in this world this age is the dispensation of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. the Holy Spirit of God is here that is true but it's also, the Bible says in Luke chapter 22 and verse 53, the hour and power of darkness, darkness and we are living in a world of darkness and boy, if you can't see it anyway. You ought to be able to feel it without having to see it. It's oppressive. It's thick. It's heavy. It's like a wet, heavy coat that I can't seem to quite get shook of. But I realize that in John's Gospel, Satan is called the prince of this world three times. Luke calls him that and the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. It was, it was doubtless under the influence that the rulers of this world killed Christ. You realize that? That those Roman soldiers, the people that were in control of the world then that took Christ out and nailed Him to the cross, they did it because they thought, they were, some of them, the Jews, thought they were doing God a favor. The Romans thought that they were doing Caesar a favor. There was no other God or king. There was no other God than Jehovah God and there was no other king than Caesar. And the whole world came against this child, Jesus Christ, and nailed Him to the cross. Who do you think was behind that? Satan was in the way watching, snickering, laughing, thinking that he was gaining the upper hand and the victory. My friend, he thinks he gains the upper hand in the victory in our homes, in our families, in our lives. He's trying to do that on a daily basis. And sometimes we are so unaware. We're so unprepared for the battle that's going on around us and the position that Satan holds in it. He deceives the whole world. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9 says, The God of this God is not worshipped and obeyed as some pitchfork horned demon. No, as a matter of fact, he makes himself out to be an angel of light. He comes to us under the wrapper of disguise of the things that are pleasing. To us. He's not stupid. And he realizes what it takes to get into our home, to get into our hearts, to get into our lives, to get into our minds. He's the great deceiver. And in these latter days, he has deceived the whole world. And he's going to continue deceiving the whole world until. The return of Christ. It's not going to get better. I want you to realize that. That this is not going to get better. This time. Oh, our our economy might shake back a little bit. And we might get a new guy in the presidency. And you might see some shifting and turning. But I'm telling you, we are on a downhill slide. Towards the end of time. I believe it's right around the corner. I don't believe it's long. Will we outlive it? Will we be gone before it happens? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm not counting on it. And if you're counting on it, you're foolish. I didn't call you a fool, I just said you're being foolish. If you're counting on living to be an old age in this world, I'm telling you that, that the end, the curtain is being closed and we're watching it. And He has not only a personality and a position, but He has a purpose. And that purpose is to blind the minds that the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shouldn't dawn. You know, has it has it ever dawned on you that nothing ever dawns on God? God's never caught by surprise. Nothing catches him unaware. And what he's doing is he's trying to keep the truths of the gospel not only by blinding the minds of the lost which was done in the garden but hindering and blinding and confusing the minds of the saved he's trying to keep us from being able to understand the importance of what this is really all about you see we're we're so caught up in the things of the flesh the things of the world the entertainment the fun the you know it's 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 really not that serious is it The most important, the most serious thing in your life is how you live your life for Christ. How how the importance that you place on the Word of God and, and His obedience and faithfulness and keeping the Word of God. Is it of any importance at all? To us is, uh, well, as long as I believe in God and believe in Jesus that He's the Son of God, gave up heaven, put on flesh, became a man, went to the cross, shed His blood, died for my sins. I've given Him my heart. I've asked Him to forgive me and now I'm going to heaven. I'm saved so I can go on and have my fun and enjoy this life, right? Wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. That is so wrong. And the whole world has been blinded by such a simple little trick of the devil to make us think that the importance of the Word of God in our hearts, our homes, our families, our lives is really of unimportance. That it really doesn't matter that much. My my friend, I'm telling you, it is the only thing. It's the only thing that matters. Everything else. You can take it or leave it. Optional. But when it comes to the Word of God, there is nothing in it that is optional. Nothing. God is going to hold our feet to every word, every jot, every tittle. And if we fall for the deception and the lies of Satan concerning this, it's going to cost a lot of people their very souls, but it's going to cost Christians. You say, well... I'm listening, because I, I want to know: Am I going to get to go to heaven, or is, am I saved? Can He take that salvation away from me? If He takes that salvation away from me, you got my attention. But if He don't, then it, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because I'm I'm still going to heaven. Well, if that's the way you think, you're lost, lost. Because the only thing that you're giving your life to Christ for is to skip out on hell, and to make it to heaven. God doesn't sell fire insurance. God's not in the fire insurance business. God's in the soul-saving business. And when a soul is saved, a soul is changed. And I'm no longer the same old man. For old things have passed away. All things are new. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. And if I love Him, then I will want to obey Him. And I will not fall for the wiles of the devil. I'll stand against everything that Satan has to offer. We see His purpose. He wants... To destroy our homes. We see how He does that. His manner. Uh, How does He manage to blind the thoughts of men to the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Just as Adam was led astray. How was he led astray? By the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eye. the pride of life. Satan used Eve in his life. I'd rather die with her than live with God. Boy, can you imagine that thought running through your mind when you realize that your wife has eaten the fruit that God said, don't eat thereof, and the day that you eat thereof, you'll surely die? I believe it's true. She did not. She ate of it. Now she's going to die, and I'll be left alone. And he chose her over him. What is it that we choose over God? What is it that we're willing to sell Him out for? A handful of silver? Judas? We're we willing to turn our backs on Christ and go back to the fishing boat the way Peter did when he cursed the little girl and denied Christ three times before the rooster crowed. What does it take for us to deny Christ in our hearts, our homes, our families, our lives? What does Satan have to do. You know, even when the seed of God's Word is sown in the heart, it's easy for the wicked one to... Well, what did the Bible say in Matthew chapter 13 where the sower of the seed is spreading the seed and the seed is the Word of God and the sower is the Holy Spirit and some fell by the wayside and when it fell by the wayside, the crows came and plucked it up and the Bible says that it's that crow, Satan, that is stealing away the Word of God out of your heart and mind before it ever takes root. That happens in churches every day. Every day. We sit there and it's the same womp, 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 womp coming from behind the pulpit because we're really not receiving it past our ears, into our hearts. First Corinthians 2.14 again. And I'll close with this. But the natural man, the lost man, the man without Christ, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they're spiritual. He's carnal. He can't. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he, for they are spiritual and he is carnal. Sold. Are we sold? Sold. Are we the, the bondmates of sin? Are we bound? See, Christ came to free us from sin. To break the bondage of sin. You say, well, we have a, we have a freedom of the will. No, we don't. Your, your will is only as free as your desires of your own heart. See, we're bound by our old nature. We're not bound by God or by Satan or by the world or, or anything. We're bound by ourselves. Only God can set us free by faith in the finished work of Christ. And when Christ shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. That means you are no longer under the power of the old nature and you're no longer under the power of the evil one, Satan. The sinister minister that wants to come to your heart, your home, your family, your life and destroy everything that is important you let's pray father we love you we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house God we realize that we live in a fleshly world a sinful world it is run and organized by Satan and he has not only the fallen angels that followed him out of heaven But God, He's got physical human ministers here in this life that are in places of little G-God authority, power and control. They're in the White House. They're in Congress, in the Senate. They're in the governments of the states. And they're in the law enforcement agencies. And God, they're everywhere. Lord, we need to be aware of the battle that we're in, the war, the fight, the race that we run. God, help us to keep our focus, to keep our mind, to keep our heart right with You. We'll give You the praise and the glory for that. Not only here and now, but for eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen.